Here he is. Hello, mate. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Um, on, mate. We'll probably move into a bit of management now. Um, yeah. So I think your first sort of foray was at Dagenham or, or maybe Boreham Wood? No, see, I, I, I went to Boreham Wood and I was given a, a, a title there. It was at the very end of my professional career. Um, so I finished playing at Dagenham, might have been 36, maybe 37. Um, and, and I went to, and I went to Boreham Wood and I was given like a, a sort of player coach role and because everyone knew that was the path I wanted to take. Um, and it, listen, I was there again, a very short period of time. I didn't really get on so much with the people that worked at the club. And it was a very sort of short stay, and 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 I and I moved on, and I ended up going back to Dagenham as a as a development squad manager at the time. Um, what and then I went and played for Junior, and a guy called Gary McCann, who was managers uh, who run the team at Hendon. Mm. So I, I was getting the best of both worlds. I was doing a bit of part-time football hending and playing and, and keeping my eye in on the grass and, and and obviously doing my daily stuff at Dagenham with a development squad. And then and then and then the, John Steele left Dagenham to go to Luton. And the coach at the time, a guy called Wayne Burnett, who's now the mm. under twenty threes yeah. gaffer at Tottenham. At Tottenham, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. Wayne, Wayne took over the first team and said to me, like, I want you to come up and be like one of my assistants. So me and Warren Hackett, who's an ex-teammate of mine from Barnet, me and Warren were Wayne's number twos. So I stopped playing. And I, I mean, I'm 46 now. I'm definitely retired now, but I hadn't actually officially retired. I just, it was one of them where you go, I can probably squeeze another two or three years out as a player. Mm. or I get on the next journey for, for the next 20 years, which is coaching and management. So I sort of reluctantly put my boots in the back of my car and shut the car um, and, and started coaching. And and then Wayne, we had a brilliant first season. He's, he's got some wicked ideas, Wayne. Um, and then in the second season, it didn't go as well. And then eventually in the third season, I think it was when he left. And so me and Warren took over for a, a three-game period over, over that Christmas before John Steele come back from Luton. And in that three games, we, we lost the first game. I think we lost on Boxing Day 3-0 to Cambridge. I'm sure it was Cambridge. And it was like, oh, shit, here we go. That ain't a good start. And then the next two games, we, uh, we, we managed to win them both. I think it might have been Stevenage and... Exeter, and we changed the shape, played with a little bit of a few ideas, and, and got our sort of principles, if you like, into the team, and won a couple of games, and it was great. It was, and I I knew the feeling then. I knew this is hundred percent where I want to go. Mm. Um, and then John come back, and I, and I stayed on board with John for another year or so. Uh, what was that like years. working with John? Because John is a he's a lower league legend. You know, he's, he's, he's had some fantastic jobs um, yeah. and some great, you know, loads of achievements. What was that like working with him towards the end of his career? Listen, John, you can't fail but learn something from someone like John. He's, he's got over a thousand games under his belt. He's been around the block. I've played mm. for him. I know his methods. I know his ideas. I know 
I know the atmosphere he wants to try and create. I know how he recruits. Um, and it was a great, I, a great opportunity for me to sort of work alongside him. Um, we lost one of our coaches who left. So I, I got Junior in with me. So it was me and Junior working under John. Um, and John... John, in all fairness, was probably in a little bit of a transition period himself where he was, he was changing his ideas from what he used to be. He was quite a direct, get it up in the other mm. half and play in their face and energy and intensity. And, and, and I think me and Junior managed to sort of talk him round to, to play in a little bit more. You know, I, I think he'd, he'd accept that. Um, so that was, that was brilliant. And then, and then he... He had the opportunity to go back to Barnet himself, and 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 obviously wanted to take me in junior, um, and, and 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 we went along with him to go back to Barnet. That must, that must be... be great going back to going back to Barnet. You know, it's kind of you know where you know where you were first very successful. That must have been nice going back there as well. You know, back to the new stadium as well. Listen, where, where it's nice, where it's nice, like with you guys at Wickham and that, it, it's nice to go back to a club where you know you've had a good time as a player, you've been appreciated as a player, and you know it's a nice, warm welcome. But straight away, you also know that as as it is with a player, you've got to get results. Otherwise, you know, opinions change, and that's the game. We know we know why we're in the game. So it was great to go back there. I, I was going back there with with the hope that, you know, if John, at the end of our contracts, decided he didn't want to do it anymore, then then I'd hopefully be next in line. It mm. was something that that was discussed and which appealed to me, obviously. Um, and he was probably only six months into into a two year contract and decided enough was enough and and, and my chance come around quicker than when, than I anticipated. But nevertheless, I it was, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to to be in charge. If I'm right, you you really flew out of the blocks. I think you won your first game. You went on to beat Sheffield United in the FA Cup. Um, that must have been really good. You know, sort of only a handful in as manager and all of a sudden you've you beat the championship leaders. That's face. been brilliant. That's been brilliant. <laughs> I should have retired then. <laughs> no, it's funny because the, the, the chairman had the chairman had said to me about look, just take control of the team for the next week or two and, and we'll see where we go with it. There's no need to rush anything. So I was like, okay, so we had so this was the Friday morning. We had Saturday uh, away to Dagenham, so going back to my old club. <laughs> Tuesday was Borehamwood, which was a local derby, and then the following Saturday was Sheffield United at Bramwell Lane, and they're flying and top of the championship and and, and what have you. And obviously the connections with my uncle. It it, it hadn't long been that he'd been named the director, and the stand has been named after him. So mm. I'm going to. It's like I'm going to my uncle's house to play football. A <laughs> um, little bit, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so we ended up we ended up beating beating Dagenham one 0 and we drew with Borehamwood, where I felt on the night we probably should have won. And then we've gone up to Sheffield United, and and in all fairness to 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 the, to the boys and and obviously the, the people at Sheffield United, we beat them we beat them one nil, but. You know, it could have been it two or three. We was we was unbelievable on the day. We played, we were like we played fantastic on the day, and and it was, 
I mean, today it's it's the best memory I have as as management because it was just an incredible day, and I was blown. And, and this was one week in management, and I, and I generally, well, I I was joking with Junior. I said I should just quit now because it won't get better than this. <laughs> just you know on I mean? that, um, that, that, there's you know, so you went from, you went obviously Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Do you? I've always wanted to ask someone this, you know, as like a player as a manager. Do you think that Tuesday night? Do you reckon the players were affected? thinking about the Saturday coming? Um, quite possibly. Quite possibly. I, I, I would I would say so. But, you know, I, I, I tried to... I tried to take away the, the fear of the occasion. I'm not, I'm not saying everyone had fear. So we're all different, obviously. But I tried to make sure that, you know, I just... I was conscious of not implementing too many rules in in the space of one week where we've got three training days and three games. You know, we'll train on the Monday, we'll train on the Thursday and the Friday, and we got a game Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So I didn't want to go in there and go, right, we're doing this, we're doing that, (laughs) all change, you know what I mean? I, I changed one or two simple little things. I wanted to make sure that, the importance of the two league fixtures was was in, in the front of our minds. And all I wanted them to do was go to Sheffield United and play with no fear and no regrets. And as simple as it is, we, we obviously had some tactical information that we put into the boys about without the ball and with the ball, all that sort of information we gave them. But ultimately, for some of them, not all of them, but certainly some of them, it might be the only opportunity they ever get to play in that type of fixture at that type of stadium. So I wanted to make sure that they enjoyed it as much as they embraced it and tried to win the game. Listen, you will hate yourself at the end of it if you feel like you could have done more or you weren't quite yourself. So if I see any of you playing with fear, I'll take you off. Don't play with fear because you're going to get nothing from me other than thumbs up and well done and hey, well tried and no, we went there and I swear to God and and I'm thinking back at it now when I'm talking to the boys and then I'm saying don't play with no fear and I'm giving all this information and they go out and play the way they did I thought fucking hell I'm top draw me I'm all right. I'll, be, I'll be in charge at the next world you'll Cup. be alright here yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> on it's that day um, that was a former Spurs lad got the goal wasn't it Shaquille Coulthurst Shaq got the goal. Yeah, it was a penalty, which was a which was a great counter-attacking move from us. You know, they'd had a corner and we sort of broke. Um, and we had a young boy at the time that, that was playing for us, Mason Clark, burst through the middle. Shaq found him with a pass and he got pulled down and then and then Shaq obviously put it away. So yeah, no, we deserved it. We had we had two or three other chances that, and mm. and to be fair, Chrissy Wilder and I know Chrissy. He was straight after the game. He was like, "No, nah, you absolutely deserve that." And and you know, it, it probably could have been more. So, no, we was good on the day, really good. I don't obviously don't know Chris Wilder, but from what we can see, he just seems like a top bloke. You know, like a proper football man. Mm. You know that I I think when you like. When he comes across in his interviews and stuff like that, reminds me of like the sort of Sean Dyche kind of person as well. Like proper football man, talks his mind and just. But just, you know what? Do, do you know? Do you know what? Run through brick walls for him. I'm not. Time. I'm not going to accuse anyone, but you you do get some managers that go in front of the camera and they're a bit little diplomatic and they sort of swerve questions and what have you. Your Sean Dyches and your Chris Wilders and that. 
do interviews like they do like like if we was all standing at the bar with a pint. Mm. They they took they, they just say it as they see it and they're honest <laughs> and they're straight up, and which is why fans relate to them. Do you know mm, yeah. what I mean? There's no bullshit yeah. with them. They're straight. Right. I think that's why people run through brick walls for Sean Dyche and Chris mm. Wilder. Um, yeah, but because, as we've like seen, you said, yeah. I mean, like you said, to be talk... in Premier League, really. Yeah, on that's, that's, budget that's, that's and the skill. Mm. That is yeah. a, that is a leadership skill, isn't it? You know, yeah. you can be you can be tactically unbelievable, of course you can, but you can also lead in many different ways. And then to a, a fine example of you know leading in in their style, which is. You know exactly what you're going on the pitch to do. There's no grey areas. If you do A, B, and C, then I've got your back every day of the week. And that's yeah. what these guys are like. And I don't yeah. want to underplay them, by the way, because they're probably tactically brilliant as well. But mm. you, you, it, their personality, you know, see, it comes out very evident, isn't it, in their in their teams? Well, both both teams have a very specific style, don't they? You know, Burnley have yeah. a very specific style. Um, which is very, very well organised. You can see they work on that a hell of a lot. Um, yeah. And and Chrissy Wilder has the the sort of um, uh, sort of overlapping centre halves in that three and and the high high wing backs and stuff like that. So yeah, that they, they've both got specific yeah. styles. So yeah, like you say, we we're not taking that away from them. Um, so let's let's keep carrying talking on talking about Barnet and the management. So, what two thousand eighteen to two thousand twenty, you were there, very nearly promoted mm. in your last season. Yeah, and 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 I had watched a few games of Barnet because mm. I wanted to see how Darren Curry was doing as a manager. Yeah. Um and and you know. Played some lovely football with, and and you know got a nice young team there, very quick as well, and and um, you know a few older heads. But did you did you come in and, and change much from from John's style, um, and or did you you know carry it on and just add a few bits in because you know you ended up you, you got some plaudits for the way you played at Barnet, um, and and. I just wanted to know if it was something from your background of the way you played that you bought that style or the way you wanted to play football, the ideology you have about football. Is, is that what you did? So, so, so when I when I talk about it, I, I can talk in jest about it, but there's truth behind what I'm saying. So, you know, my, my ideology of football is don't give the fucking ball away. Simple as that. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, and, and that's the sort of jest side of it. But it obviously it goes deeper. And when I yeah. when I when I'm talking to my team, that's my ultimate message. Don't give the fucking ball away. Every time you get it, there's you've got 10 choices. So there's no real excuse for you giving the ball away. So but I would break that down and obviously training drills and, and etc. But you've got that and you've got my opinion of the best players in the world, and it's as obvious, so we probably will all agree, but the best players make the best decisions. Simple as that. So I might say, for example, I'll, I'll tell you about my centre-half. Like, yeah, I want you to play out from the back and I want you to start our attacks and what have you. But your first five decisions in the game, you might have to smash the ball into the crowd because you're under pressure. That's yeah. still good decision-making. So whatever decision it is, make it a good one. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
and and that is as simple as I broke it down sometimes that be a good decision maker if you're a, if you're a defender if you're a winger if you're, whatever your role is within the team be a good decision maker don't give the ball away ultimately but what I used to say to him is so if I see you for example trying to play the right pass and that killer pass and it don't quite come off but it's the right pass then I can turn around and go listen right idea well tried but execution weren't right so we can work on that we can go and do 100 of them on the on the training pitch on monday mm. but if you give the ball away cheap or sloppy yeah and casual and regular i used to i used to say to some players like if you keep passing to the opposition why why do you even expect me to pick you do you know what i mean mm. and, that, and, yeah. and, and and that is again like when we talk about Daishi and we talk about Chrissy Wilder and that being straight and honest. That's me saying to players, like if we reverse roles, me and you, and, and you're the manager and I'm the player, and I keep passing to the opponent, would you pick me? No, probably not. <laughs> well, there you go. Mm. Like so, as, as simple as it sounds, that's how it is. Mm. I could, so yeah, I, I could say to the players, like, and I, I'll tell you, my team talk the first game away to Dagenham when I when first. First time I've ever put my shirt and my tie on. And then, right, I'm in charge now. Pressure's on. I went, right, boys, simple as this, right? Blame culture. I ain't having it no more. Don't want... You give the ball away, it's your fault. No one else is. Don't point the finger at anyone. You give the ball away, it's your fault. So you make sure you react correctly. Because if you react correctly, you'll probably find the nearest four or five players around you will react with you. Mm. I said, and I don't give a shit what direction you pass the ball. Just don't give it away simple as that and we went out and probably on that first game we'd gone from 200 passes a game to maybe 350 375 and I'm not listen that's just a, a, a little branch and a little part of the stats yeah. but ultimately we won the game which is the most important thing but that was kind of my mantra all the time don't give the ball away why do you expect to play if you keep passing to the other team do you feel that's that that gave them um, obviously a, a sense of responsibility but at the same time it gave them a freedom to play there, there's no restraints on them as such apart from one dis, one uh, idea which is not to give the ball away so did that, did, that, did that give them the freedom to go and play how they wanted to play rather than having a lot of restraints on them like some managers would and, and, and this is where you go deep into it. So I, yeah. I, I created I created enough scenarios and enough patterns within how I wanted to play that they would have three, four, five choices every time they landed on the ball. Got you. you know, you, you, you want to, if you want to, like, I'll give you an example now of, of Man City, the best at it. You get some teams that pass it, and when you watch them pass it, you feel like they're passing for the sake of it. And then you get some teams like Man City. Every time they're they're, they're passing with a purpose, aren't they? So yeah. they might be they might be passing on the left to expose you on the right, and you see the change of ball speed and what have you. So, you know, I, I would give them as many sort of scenarios and patterns to play within and, yeah. and position and, and position them in, in certain ways. Like I might be, I might have my 
right winger that absolute furthest part away from the ball. And what the work we're doing in the left back area is to go ABC out to him as quick as we can to to create that like uh, the one v one over there. Do you know what I mean? That, but I would create them scenarios in training. yeah. This is going to sound str- it's not strange, but I think Rich Rich is laughing for a reason. It's that was exactly the whole of our what, preseason last year. <laughs> that that was the whole of my preseason last last year, or you know this year just gone. Was the sort of um, like you say, controlling in one area, Bosch out to the winger, who has that space to go and attack now because we've dragged across. I always, I always use sort of words like disorganize and yeah. when you have the ball and when you don't have the ball. It's like one of my key works is I want to disorganize their team so they're not, you know, so they come out of position so we can go and hit yeah. positions where we are. So, no, it's, it, you know, and yeah, so, I, I, in the opponent, you know, it's, but that's it's, exactly it's, what it's, Manchester it's, City, that's exactly what Manchester City do. They, 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 they pull it over. They do passes in small areas to drag players in and drag players out of position mm-hmm. so they can then do a quick switch on to get out to the wing. And then you've got Sterling or, or Mares running at you and your one-on-one situation, which you would want those players in a one-on-one situation. And mm-hmm. then you've got more of a chance. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I love that. But, but going, love that. going back to your sort of original question, where you where you have to be careful is, and 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 this is this this takes time on the training pitch and whatever. If you players knew that my ultimate feeling was don't give the ball away, but where you got a bit, it's a very thin line. Where you have got to be careful that that then doesn't become fear so that every time players land on the ball, they take the safe option because they just don't want to give the ball away. Which is why, to back up what we're saying about disorganising the opponent, is, yes, we've got to keep the ball, but there has to be a purpose behind it. And I want you to try to do the right thing, and I'll encourage the right decision. And if it don't quite come off, it's still the right decision. So I've got you back all the time. It's when you it's when you're doing the other things that I'm scratching me again. What the fuck's he doing? Mm. And and then and then I'm going. We'll just take him off. Simple as that. Take him off. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. But again, again for me, the the buy-in with that is, and this is the two things that I learned in my 18 months. I took over halfway through a season, so a lot of your skill set has to be maybe motivational and yeah, and changing moods and what have you and tweaking styles you can't ram it down people's throat because it's too much too quick and then when you get your pre-season you get that whole six-week period where you can ram on your ideas and and then I built a pre-season program in in at Barnet where we played I think we might have played eight games at the time uh, six of them were games where I knew that we would dominate the ball and be able to play out all my patterns and then we'd get we'd get goals from it. So the so the buy-in from the players' point of view is every time I said do A, B, and C, we'd get a cross or a shot. And then mm. when they'd done it, they'd be going, fucking Gaffer knows what he's on about. Yeah, fucking let's do it. Yeah. If you kept saying do that, do that, do that, and nothing ever come of it, eventually players are gonna go, What's he on about? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I set up at six of the eight games where a lot of what I was asking them to do would play out in them games so straight away they thought fucking 
Darren Guardiola. He knows what he's on about. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then we'd play against, and we played against Arsenal and Palace, where you kind of can, although they were a mixture of sort of first team 23s and what have you, we could play, uh, we could work on the sort of defensive side of it yeah. and our shape defensively because we ain't going to boss the ball as much. But I still want to work on the bravery of playing against better quality. We ended up beating Palace 6 2, like battered them. <laughs> and, and Arsenal. I think Arsenal beat us four three, but we was we was good, like so. So it was giving them the idea. Listen, I don't want to sound like fucking being arrogant or nothing. It ain't. But these are my these are my beliefs. Mm. You've got yeah, to but get I want play in from the players. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There'd be coaches listening to this, Darren, and, and and wanting to listen to this. I'm a coach myself. I'm a head coach of a non-league football side, and I'm hanging on every word. But what you're saying about that six and eight, which is so important in pre-season to have the right balance of teams. It's not just about picking a team to go and play because you want a game of football. It's about picking those right teams to, to put into place, which is, I had a conversation pre-season with another manager um, and we were talking about, oh, you know, I've won seven of the last seven pre-season games. Um, completely battered teams and stuff like that. And I just, I sort of looked at her and went, you're not really, you know, you've never tested anyone against anyone. Mm. I said, I've always come into it and gone, the result is probably the, is probably the least thing I'm interested in. The thing I'm interested in is, are we working on what we've been doing in, in pre-season? And, and, you know, that I think pre-season friendlies are so important, you know, um, and, and picking the right friendlies as well. Um, I mean, so we, I, we so went, you, we went if out. I give you, if I give you another example of what we've done as well. So we was doing, we was doing certain runs that I know uh, in pre-season are, it's not the old school, just slog around the forest and what have you until your, your feet are bleeding. Um, you know, it, it's a lot more calculated. And we got some friends at some championship clubs that give us some, some runs. And we were doing these particular strides that, I knew they were tough, but we were trying to reach the targets that the championship players were reaching. Yeah. So we had our very first friendly against an old mate of mine, runs a team, and I knew we was going to dominate the ball. So I wanted the team to play with fatigue. So literally 10 minutes before kickoff, and I, they weren't happy about it, but I don't care. Um, they were quite surprised. I, I put them all on the line. Junior had set up the runs and I was like, and they're, they're thinking they're having a warm-up. This is 10 minutes before the kickoff, And it was only on our training pitch. And we'd done these particular runs so that literally as they finished the last part of the run, they were straight on the pitch and the ref was blowing the whistle. So I wanted them to play fatigued because mm. I wanted them to dominate the ball tired. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So that was, yeah. listen, that was my idea on that occasion because I wanted them to know that I don't care how tired you are, if you ain't slept in a month, I don't want you to give the ball away. Mm. So I don't care if you've run here from fucking up the M1, don't pass the ball to the opposition. And we started the game like a bag of shit, in all fairness. Um, But very quickly, very quickly, the the message started to get in. And it's it's as a coach, we all do it different, but how you get your message into your players and them to buy into what you do yeah, is going to decide whether you're successful or not. Simple as that. Yeah. Aaron, I just want to go back to Barnet. you know, let's kind of finish it off. 
what happened? You know, I don't obviously don't don't say anything that you might get you in trouble or whatever. Or yeah, what happened there? So there was a listen. There was a number of, number of things that that went on behind the scenes. That listen. In all fairness to me and Junior, we, we turned it into a bit of a motivational tour in the end. You know, and uh, uh, that whole siege mentality type thing. And we created a, a fantastic atmosphere in the change room. You know, I still speak to most of the team now, and you know, it was just a we had a really good thing going now. Um, Everyone bought in on what uh, our ideas, and you know we pushed them. And my relationship with the players was was I, I love them to bits. They're great lads, and there was things going on around us that I, I didn't think was very professional and, and very fair on the team. In all fairness, but like I say, we, we we was fortunate enough that they bought in on what we said, and, and we managed to turn it into a bit of a siege mentality, and. It just it just got to a point where I just I, I I know how junior is, I know how he wants to work, and I know how I want to work, and I want to be in the most professional environment I can be in. And if so I'll give you an example. When you go to your Man City's, Chelsea's, Liverpool's, every box that you can think of in football gets ticked. Absolutely everybody. Not, nothing you miss out on. Obviously, the lower down the pyramid you go, certain boxes don't get ticked. I get it. I understand that. But there is there is too many of these boxes that I felt were that that should be a gimme at every professional club. They, they should be standard. And there's too many boxes without a tick in it. And I just thought I, I I can't I can't work in this type of environment because at some point it's not going to go how I want it to go. And, and I want it to be ultimately my... If things don't work out, I'll hold my hand up and go, shit, manager, didn't work yeah. out. Tactics are crap. Don't know what you're on about. I'll hold my hands up at that. I didn't want it to be because of something else. Mm. And I just... I weren't comfortable with with the environment that, that we was being asked to work in. And although I was still desperate to be successful and get that group promoted because I felt they deserved it because they were, because what they'd given to me in junior over the 18 months, you know, when we went into the, the playoffs against Jovel and Notts County, I missed four players. And this is not an excuse. I'm just being honest with you. We, we were missing four players that wasn't prepared to re-sign uh, for the club for, for whatever reason. I won't go into yeah. that. Um, and of them four players, one of them had, had, had been playing a very key role from the bench and the other three would have started, you know. And, and listen, it's, I don't want it to be a sob story, but at the end of the day, you take four of the best players out of it. Look mm. at Liverpool now, you take four yeah. of the best players. It, it, it has an impact, simple mm. as that. Oh, but we, we beat Yeovil. Didn't play great on the day, in all fairness, but from a defensive point of view, it was fantastic. And then we was going into the Knox County game, 90 minutes from Wembley, which would have just made my made my day. Um, mm-hmm. And we got beat on the day, which is it's a neighbour better than us on the day. And got, you know, that's that's how it is. And then and then the conversation was had about me and Junior staying. Um, I got offered a, a contract that was less than. It, it wasn't a contract that uh, that appealed to me. Let's put it that way. Um, and with everything that had gone on, I just felt I, I, it, it was best that we shook hands. And I said, 
good luck to you. And I, and, I, and I went about my way trying to trying to get another club. And you know, without being overconfident, I thought there would have been another opportunity by now. It hasn't played out how I wanted it to. It's been six, mm. seven months, and, and and I'm still looking for a job now. But you know, I made my decision, and I'm I'm not someone who necessarily lives with regret. So it's it's the decision I made, and I, I've got to stand by it. Um, it's sad to look back and see the club having a tough yeah. season the way it is. But you know, I've got no animosity with with anyone associated with the club. Yeah. It was just it was a professional decision because I want to work in the yeah. most professional environment possible. That's well, fair as, enough. Well, as we speak today, obviously, and unfortunately, Tim Flowers has lost lost his job today. Yeah, um, right. If the call came, would you go back? Listen, I, you can't ever say no, no or yeah. never. You you can't say that because, you know, I don't want to be sat here another seven months from, from now mm. and still not have a job. At the end of the day, I miss being on the grass. Like mm. I said to you earlier, I've still got that little boy in me that actually just wants to play, in all fairness. Yeah. But, you know, when I left school at 15 and I'm now 46, you're talking about 31 years of my life has been on a football pitch and I've just had... I've, I've, I've had seven months where I've been sat at home and it's driving me potty. Mm. So I need to be back on the grass. And yeah. obviously the, the, the financial side of it and, and bills and my family and all that. But ultimately, my life is on a football pitch and and, yeah. and, and at the minute, I've been painting and fucking hoovering. <laughs> and it's it's driving me mad. Just so on I, the job front, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure when... Just before the American takeover, I'm sure there were some rumours of you potentially coming to Wickham. Now, I'm never one for Ainsworth leaving because what an amazing job he's done. But personally, from what you've done at Barnet, how you play, your style of play as a player, I would love to see you given a chance at Wickham when Ainsworth goes, which I don't think I think it'll be in the next two years. Um is that something that would interest you? I'm guessing, obviously, yes, but... Listen, I'd start walking up the M40 now if the job was available. <laughs> you know, listen, I would, but listen, I, I'm with you. Gaz has done... Gaz deserves so much credit for what he's done. I know I know, Gaz and Dobbo, and they've, what they've done at that club is... I mean, if it is me that follows him, sod my luck, because anyone, anyone who follows yeah. him has got a bloody hard job on their ass. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, Was there any truth to that? Around um, about a year, eighteen months ago, just before the takeover. Yeah, but I don't know. I I, I don't ever recall Gareth being close to leaving. No, he? I don't. No, it's it was. I, I remember this rumor. There was there was one one person that wanted to buy the club, and I I think the rumor came from that he wanted you, but I, I honestly don't know. He didn't. He didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> You, you've no, been do, you know to... what? Do, do you know what? Like it, it's the same when you're a player. If if you if you're having a good time on the pitch as a player, yeah. and, mm. I, and and obviously the team were going well at Barnet and that you you get you get whispers and linked with things. But no, I, I I never I never thought Gareth I've never thought Gareth had been in any danger of losing his job because yeah. he's done so well there. Mm. I, I've read recently you are well look, again it could be here so it's paper talk isn't it? <laughs> but Leighton Orient. Again, like I've been, I've, I've been over to Orient and, and watched a couple of games, and yeah, you know, yeah. it, it 
I've been linked with a ton of jobs, but South End, trust me when I say this, yeah. because of no, I did actually have a conversation with Southend. In all fairness, um, and one or two other conversations, but it's it. Listen, I, I've I've sent my CV all over the globe. In all fairness, because I want to I want to work, and mm. I, I went to Hong Kong as a player as a kid um, when I was at West Ham. So I ain't afraid of, of going abroad, certainly not, but. I, I want to get back into football. So my the, every club, the, the doors open. I, I wouldn't say, you know, yeah. I would always... I love sitting down having time like this with you guys and having a chat about football. And I, mm. I sit down with I sit down with a chairman or, or, or a board of yeah. staff and talk football for hours. I ain't got a problem with it. Mm. So, you know, do I want to get back into football? I want to go to work tomorrow. There's no yeah. doubt about it. But mm. at the minute, I ain't got a job. Mm. Yeah, I, I I can't see it being too long. I mean, like no. I said, I thought the job at Barnet was 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 an excellent job, Darren. I I really enjoyed watching the couple of games that I watched. And and if there is a chairman out there that's looking for an attractive style of play and 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 obviously some looking to get promoted and having a professional. But do you know what, right? Do you know what it it. it... <laughs> Look at Graham Potter, for example. He plays an attractive oh. style of football, but doesn't necessarily... He hasn't done any any better than Chris Hewton done there, has he, really? You know what I mean? So, no. it, it, it's all well and good playing an attractive style of play, but you, you've, got to, you've got to win games. Now, the way I look at it is you've either got to get promoted, which we all want to do, um, and after that, you've got to... You, there's There's got to at least... But if you're not getting promoted, there's got to be progression. So yeah. I wasn't getting, uh, although we didn't get promoted at Barnet, in the 18 months there, I look back and I go, was we heading in the right direction? Yeah, we was. So that's the next best thing to promotion. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and you know, we, we, we sold a player for the record amount um, of non-league. You've probably come across him at Peterborough over the last couple of years, a boy called Jack oh, Taylor. Jack Taylor, yeah. So Jack Taylor, we sold for... 500 grand. I mean, what's a player he's going to be? Mm. Um, and and I had I had six, seven of my boys go last summer from from Barnet to into the league. So what? Yes, I want to play attractive football, but I want to play winning football. I want to develop yeah. players along the way as well, and I want to be successful. What's, there's no harm in wanting it all, mm. but ultimately you get judged on. Like I say, you you want to win and you want to get promoted, but the one that follows behind that is taking a club forward. And I felt I'd done that with Barnet. So it's hundred percent, you know, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful I'll get another chance. It just can't come quick enough. I'm sure you will. And, uh, I think that's the perfect time to end it, Darren. I think, yeah. we're, you know, we're on about an hour and 50 minutes now. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's <laughs> my fault. When I start talking about uh, football, my wife heard it all, like, she hears it all the time. I drive her mad. Wait, here's another, here's another connection for you before you go. So, do you remember Steve Walford? I know Steve the name. Walford. So, he worked with Martin O'Neill. And Steve, yeah. well, that's my father-in-law. No. Right. <laughs> Daddy hell. So you have to look up Steve Walford. I think it, you're going Steve back Wolford, to the, yeah. you're going back to the Martin O'Neill time when it might have been non-league when it when he got them promoted, mm. and yeah. Steve might have Steve might have played a few games and then he set up the youth team or the academy or something like that, um, and then he followed Martin all over the show. 
So you I'm married into Martin? football as well. Did you ever meet Martin O'Neill? Yeah. You ever? You ever? You must have. Yeah. Yeah. Loads of times. He's my hero. Yeah, he's top guy. <laughs> top guy. He's another brilliant one to learn from because mm. he 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 would he would always say like, "Got to be a sponge. Got to listen to everyone." Because mm. at the end of the day, like even sitting talking with you guys, every time you have a football conversation, you can take something from it all the time. Mm. Yeah. Which which we we have done from from doing this podcast. Mm. We've interviewed what what how many have we interviewed now? Rick seven eight seven, something eight. like that. And and we I, I seem to have taken so much from it. Even if we're talking to um, you know um, a championship player from the women's game who who was incredibly professional uh, at what she did and, and what, how she spoke. Um, we you know talk. I've to- spoken to um, head coach at Maidenhead. Um, you know, so we've just taken little bits from it and it's going to improve me as a coach. It's going to improve Rich as a, a director of football, our football club and, and hopefully improve our football club going forward. Um, we spoke to David Stockdale a few weeks, weeks ago, uh, yeah. you know, so just loads of stuff that we've taken from it. And the reason why is because we've been in this lockdown so long, I've missed talking football. I've no, missed talking football to people and me and Rich come up with it and said, let's talk to people in the game. Let's talk to people from different areas of football that we love talking about. And yeah. we, we, we've just taken off. We've got, you know, got so many guests that are, are, that are you know, have been brilliant to brilliant with us as well. And, and just wanted to come on and have a chat. And, and that's all it is. Just the guys. Football, about football. Football's the best thing for creating debate and discussion. Ain't it? Yeah. So, you know, and, and this is, this is why it, even if you take a crumb of something I've said and I take a crumb of something you've said, it, it you know, it, 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 has, it has value, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you so much, Bruce. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We, we, I appreciate you, know, this... you guys having me. Thank you. No, no. Brilliant. We'll, we'll speak to Brownie tomorrow as well. Boy. <laughs> so... Tell him I'll, like, I'll have to sleep on my right tonight. My left shoulder's a bit sore. <laughs> it's bringing back too many memories. Oh, <laughs> Lovely. No, thanks for having me. It's been really good to uh, to obviously talk football and, and talk about Wickham. Great club, and I'm really pleased that they're they're up in the championship. And let's hope that they can get a few wins to stay there. That'll be nice. Nice one. Cheers, Rubes. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. Um, I'll I'll let uh, who said? Oh, it doesn't really matter. We all said goodbye. Okay, so yeah. we'll we'll, we'll uh, I'll let you come in, mate. Actually. Okay, hold on. Let me just uh, get away from wow. Get away from that's been really interesting. Um, <laughs> um, okay, go on. Yeah, go on. Um, right. Are you ready? We're going three, two, one, three. Well, that was the first time I've actually ever had a proper conversation with Ruby, and that went every bit as I imagined. Lovely fella, um, excellent player, and I, I always had to get the bit in about him being the best two-footed player outside the Premier League, because I've always thought that. But um, such a nice guy, a real, a real proper football man, and I really hope he gets a decent job, and I will always follow where he goes. A hundred percent, and and. 
when you're saying he's the best two-footed player you've seen out of the Premier League, you're not just saying it to him. You you believe that. We've spoken for years, Rich. You know, we've we've been friends a long time. Mm. We've always spoken about the qualities of Darren Curry when, when he played football. It's the reason why we fell in love watching Wickham because mm. of players like that. Mm. And a lot of a lot of Wickham, a lot of uh Ipswich, a lot of Barnet fans will, will all agree with us in saying that he was an absolute joy to watch. Now, I know Ruby goes on to say a lot about his, you know, his, his sort of, he wasn't the quickest of players, but he never needed to be. No. He was so skillful and so intelligent. Um, mm. You know, it, 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 just an absolute joy to watch. One of those players where you've got bums off the seats. As simple as that. And he, he never was quick at anything, but his mm. skill was unbelievable. His touch was fantastic. Mm. His crossing, his passing, shooting was just, you know, a very technically gifted player. Um, and, and That's one thing I, enjoy to watch. I, I would massively recommend. Anyone that hasn't heard of him or if you've never seen him play, any young players listening to this, go on YouTube and just watch some yeah. of his highlights because... Technically, technically, he's he's right up there with the best, and that is high praise. People like Matt Letizia, maybe Glenn Hoddle, maybe not as good as Glenn Hoddle, but he was it's so good technically. You can see why the Glenn Hoddle is is his one of his idols, though. Mm, 100%, you know, the, yeah. the the story about him coming to coming to watch him, he, he you know, you could just see it in Darren's face how much he loved that moment yeah. in his career. Um, you know, it, everyone from Tottenham fans to England fans or anything like that, you know, will uh, marvelled in the in the the genius that was Glenn Hoddle um, when he played football. Again, another absolute delightful footballer to watch play. Someone that glided across the floor uh, with the ball. I mean, uh, uh, probably a tad before mine and your time, Rich. Mm, yeah. But at the same time, we can appreciate our parents and people we've spoken to at Tottenham about Glenn Hoddle and, and all, all will say he's the greatest they've seen um, so you know it, 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 I, I absolutely loved the stories that he told us about you know his times you know starting at West Ham you know Harry wanting to keep him mm, yeah. but evidently he, he went to Shrewsbury um, and he said, you know, that's where it made him a footballer. It made him get the love for it. Mm. To then move to, you know, to Plymouth where he loved it. He was only there for seven games. But, mm. you know, that again, this is another thing. Plymouth fans still remember Darren Curry for seven games. Mm. And that's what we're talking about. Bad, yeah. That's what we're talking about in terms of play, fans remembering these players because, mm. because of the way they played football so graciously. Mm. Um, and then, you know, moving on to Barnett excuse me, uh, who who ended up having a fantastic career there. He played the most games of his career at Barnet and then got a, a very big move to Wickham Wanderers after Wickham's um, FA Cup run in 2001 under Laurie Sanchez. Laurie signed him. Um, obviously, me and Rich know a lot about Wickham Wanderers and, and, and the players that have been there and the fan favourites there. Um, and, and Ruby came into those leg old legends, those those league legends that got Wickham into the football league. They were just coming towards the end of their Wickham careers and their careers and in general. Um and 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 Ruby 
playing off the back of that and obviously he had some stories um, and, and and then becoming in what I like to call modern day Wickham where it, it started to change from John Gorman onwards um, and it was lovely to hear him have such high regard for, for John Gorman yeah. Um, because me and you, Rich, we absolutely love the man as well. Um, and then, you know, going on to speak about Joe Royal at Ipswich, um, and, and how much love he had for Joe being, you know, one of the nicest guys in football he's met and, mm. and a top manager. Um, and then obviously we moved into his management career and, and, and that fascinated me from a coaching point of view. Um, again, mm. I'd, I'd, I'd watched quite a few games at Barnet had played, um, with Darren in charge because this, you know, as, as football fans of, uh, you end up wanting to watch old players that you loved. And, mm. and if they move into management, you tend to follow their careers. Yeah. Um, and, and I did that with Darren and, and, and I, I ended up watching Barnet and they were so close to getting promoted, you know, lost to Notts County. Um, and then, you know, some things happen in football, uh, you know, it happens all mm. the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, he, he decided to, to to leave it there at the end of the season. Um, I'd love I don't to see him come back to Adams Park one day. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I just have that feeling he will. I do, yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's obviously not us not knocking Gareth or anything like that. We, no. we you know, because that time that, that there's a time where that will come to an end for for Gareth's career and mm. and you know and and we, but like you said, I mean that's a kind of a Poison chalice. Poison chalice. <laughs> um, uh, but if there's anyone that has the confidence and, and the fan appreciation, then, mm. then it's Darren Curry. Um, so, yeah, it, it just an absolute joy. Um, and that's why we had to put it into two parts, because we didn't want to stop talking to him. No. Um, and we felt it was good enough to to leave every single bit of content in. And yeah. and we, we hope you've enjoyed both parts to this. Yeah. Till then. We'll see you on the next episode.